0: So praise the Lord. Amen. Let's turn to God's word. Um, you have your Bible this morning. It is 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 1. <clears throat> 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. When you get there, if you would stand with me, we're going to read the first four verses together. Praise the Lord. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, if you're able to stand, reading from verse 1 through to verse 4. We'll all read it together. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 1 through to 4. Now, we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshiped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Father, this morning, we just ask for your help, for the power of your spirit to be upon your word. Lord, We thank you for your word. We thank you for a place that is opened, that the book can be opened, and that your word can be preached. And we pray that every place where the book is opened and the gospel is preached, that you would bless it abundantly today, for it is the hope of our nation. It's the gospel. So Lord, would you anoint us to both hear and to preach, and that your name would be glorified. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Just the past few weeks, you know, we've been, uh, the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at the prophetic calendar that God's, from God's perspective, as we're approaching the end of the age, as we're coming into the finale, if you like, the beginning of sorrows, the period of time before the Lord's return for the church, the den in Christ will rise. We which remain are gathered together to meet the Lord in the air will be caught up. In that moment, but really, over the past few weeks, I haven't really been able to move away from some things that I just keeps continually being impressed that need to be preached, that need to be proclaimed, if you like, especially in the context even of our reading that that there will be a falling away. It's not a popular subject, I suppose. It's not something that we We'd like to really dwell on. It's nice to mention it in a message, but really, most of the time, we prefer to move away from these things. But the Bible teaches us clearly of a falling away in the last days before the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want this morning just to <clears throat> really go back to the to the birth of the church, what it really was, what what God had purposed when He when He burst. What is known as the assembly, the gathering together of God's people, and just that upper room—the reality, the the, the the experience, the the joy, the the fullness—you know, Christ, God, uh, He had been uh, He had been on that cross, He had been buried, He rose again the third day, He He assured him. He displayed himself in his glorified body and resurrection form in, in the upper room with the with disciples living in, in fear. But then he came and when Jesus comes, the chains are broken. The fear is broken. He reveals himself as the risen conquering son. He ascends up into heaven. He promises the church, I will not leave you comfortless. And when I'm glorified, I will come to you and I'll come to you by the power of my spirit, the Holy Ghost. I will send you the comforter. He will come to you. You will not be on your own in this world. And you know, you read, <clears throat> excuse me, in Acts chapter 2, we so are familiar with the, the, the suddenness of God's power and his glory and the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, 120 followers of the Lord Jesus Christ gathered into that upper room, ignorant and unlearned people, ordinary, simple folk, but Their life was Jesus. That's all it was. He had captured them, captivated them. They had followed him. Yes, they had failed him and deserted him at the cross, but he'd done a wonderful work of restoration and drawing them all back to himself and saying, now, I'm going to come to you again. I'm going to send my spirit, the Holy Ghost, the promise of the Father is going to come to you. You tarry, you wait, but I will come. I promise you. And His Word is true. He will never fail in His Word and in His promise. And we read just in that in that chapter, just as they gather together in one place. We know it so well. We, we've rehearsed it so well. But then suddenly there's a sign from heaven. And now the Holy Ghost comes into that upper room. 120 <clears throat> men and women, just like you and I and young people, and the holy ghost comes into that room fills that whole house where they were sitting and then they're all filled with the power of the holy spirit and they all began to speak in the tongues And they were glorifying God and Jerusalem is filled as they're gathering in for Pentecost and the thanksgiving of the law. And now God the Holy Spirit has gathered together 120 men and women all washed in the blood and all filled with the power of the Spirit of the living God. And in the midst of that it just says these words that Peter standing up with the eleven lifted up his voice. You can just see there's Peter, the crowds that he gathered in. They came in for that feast. And now Peter, Peter, here he stands up. He just sees the crowds that have all gathered in and all the religious activity and everything that's going on. Those that hated and rejected this Christ. And now Peter just stands up. Friends, I want to tell you what a moment that was in history and what a moment it was in eternity. As Peter lifted up his voice under the power and the influence of the Holy Ghost, a man, just a man like you and I, his failures are penned across the Gospels for us to read, but here restored by God Himself, brought into that place, God now has purposed that life simply to stand up in the midst of all the fear and all the doom and all the gloom. As a man filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. He lifted up His voice. What was that? What was that? Is this just a story and history? But no friends, it's so much more. Here is a man. Here is a man. Just a man. A man, a vessel of the Lord. Washed in the blood of Jesus. Filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. Opening his mouth. And the power of the Holy Ghost upon him. And he begins to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. This was more than just a sermon or a message. It was more than just another man on a street corner preaching a message. This was a man that was full of the Holy Ghost a man that was full of God a man that was possessed by the Holy Spirit by the power of an Almighty God in a vessel a human vessel but a voice that would penetrate principalities and powers and darkness because the influence and the power and the reality of the Holy Ghost was upon his life Paul simply tells us this is what it was He said it was to make all men see what is the fellowship of this mystery that from the beginning of the world God had hidden himself and created all things by Jesus Christ to the intent on the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. That's what happened. This which had been headed in God in eternity has now manifested through the church to the intent and principalities and powers. A vessel born of the Spirit. washed in the blood. Filled with the Holy Ghost. And the power of the gospel. Would break into that dark world. Man's heart should be changed. In an instant. By the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Holy Ghost. Upon that vessel. From this point in time. The eternal Purpose of God is revealed. Christ in us. The hope of glory. Christ working in us. But most importantly and importantly. It is through us by the power of the Spirit of God. For the advancement of the kingdom of God. The world was simply the church's spiritual canon. It was there to be possessed. He had sent us commissioned us instructed us commanded us that you must go into all the world and preach the gospel here they go motivated by the love of God. Militant, yes, but motivated by God's great love. And that love was manifested amongst them. They loved one another because they loved God. They were motivated. They maintained the unity of the brethren, the purpose, one mind, one purpose, one heart, one accord. And the power of the Holy Ghost moved unhindered through that first church, unhindered. There was no resistance. They were all together. They were in one place. They were in one accord. There was a sweet unity. Christ was the center. There was no anger over anything. It was simply that they were going forward in the power of the Holy Spirit. And empires would be shaken. Worlds would be turned upside down. Men that were gripped with the power of darkness in an instant would be changed by the glorious light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the church of Jesus Christ. He had taught them. He had instructed them. He had discipled them. He had spent time with them. He showed them how they would go. You'll see it in Luke chapter 9 when he gathered together the twelve. Listen to these words. You know Jesus never told them to go in and how to wrestle with the devil. Nobody told him. He simply said, I give you power over all the power of the enemy. I give you the power. In Luke chapter 9, he called his 12 together and gave them power and authority. What does it say? Over all devils. That's every demon. That's every evil spirit. That's the devil himself. I've give you power over all devils and to cure listen to what he said to them and to cure diseases. I've give you that power. Listen to what he said. He said, I give you power and authority over every devil. And to cure diseases. Now I want you to go and exercise what I've given to you. It says in verse 2, He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Brothers and sisters, this is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's given the church power and authority over all devils and to cure every disease. That's what Jesus said. Listen to me, friends, this morning, in the assault that's taken place on the church of Jesus Christ, in this church, and the church across this land at this moment, there's wickedness, evil spirits, demonic activity, Satan's having a field day. But listen, this morning, I'm here to tell you, on the authority of God's Word, He's given us power over every evil spirit, and to cure every disease. That's the Gospel. That's the Gospel! Some might say, some very clever people might say, but this power was solely for the Apostles. But that's not what Jesus taught, nor did He practice. If you turn over into the next chapter, Luke chapter 10, He then gathers together 70. 70, not 12, but nice 70. Luke 10 and verse 1, And He said, After these things the Lord pointed 70 also. And sent them two by two before his face into every city and place, whether he himself would come. And he said unto them, the harvest is truly as great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Go your ways. Listen to what he said. This is profound. Go your way. I'm sending you forth. As lambs, listen, as lambs, lambs among the wolves. I'm sending you out as lambs among the wolves. Brothers and sisters, the Lord quickened this to me so clearly. He's sending us out as lambs. We must maintain the character and the meekness of the lamb for the power of the Holy Ghost to move in our midst. We must keep his character. That's so important. It's not that we're going as lions. We're going on as lambs to the slaughter just like Him. And the power of Christ will be upon us. Yeah. He said in verse 8, Whatsoever city you enter, they receive you. Eat such things that are set before you. Then what did He say to them? Heal the sick that are in. They're in and say unto them, The kingdom of God has come nigh unto you. He is teaching them. He's instructing them. He's discipling them. He is showing them that when you go out in my name, you're going out with my authority. You're commissioned by me. You're not going sent out just from a church or or just from a denomination. You're going out in my name with my authority and your power over all the power of the devil and you have the authority to heal every disease. Has the church changed? The commissioning of the church is fine in Mark chapter 16, if you turn to it. And it says these words. He's coming to the end of their training, of their Bible school, if you like. He's coming to the last days. And now He is now preparing them to go into the world. He says in Mark 16, Go ye all, go ye into all the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And he that believeth not shall be damned. And these are the signs. Listen, this is what should follow the church today. These are the signs that follow them. We had 12 and now we have 70. And now it's to everyone that believes. He says, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. These are the signs that follow them that believe. In my name, What will they do? They will cast out devils. They will speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick. And they shall recover. That's the commission. Most stop at verse 15. But the Bible says, We'll speak with new tongues. We'll take up serpents. We'll lay hands on the sick. And they shall recover. That's the gospel. Peter is now standing up on the day of Pentecost. The beginning of the church age. We read in our reading this morning what it's like as we gather in the last of this age. The last of the church age. We're going to see, we are seeing, we're all witnessing a great falling away from the church of Jesus Christ. We're witnessing a departure from the faith, an apostasy from the faith. It's uncomfortable, but Jesus has revealed that to us in His Word. Peter's standing up at the beginning. He's about to go forth in the name of the Lord, but he's not going out in his own strength or his own name. He's going out And the power of the Holy Ghost. The power of the Holy Ghost. What could stop the church? What could stop her? Filled with. Led by. Walking in. The power of the Holy What could stop the church triumphant? Nothing. Nothing could stop her. Not a demon. Not a devil. Not an empire. Not the greatest empires of this planet. Nothing could stop her. Filled with. Walking in and led by the Holy Spirit. But then, what happened? A study of church history. And I'm not an expert in any way upon it. But somehow that devil, somehow that devil, he must infiltrate that church. Nothing can stop her. Nothing can stop her. Nothing. There's not a devil. There's not a demon. Whatever rank he is and the devil's army, there's not a demon can stop the church when it's filled with, led by, and walking in the spirit. Nothing can stop her. Nothing, are you hearing me, friend? Nothing can stop her. Across this nation today, you'll find the ruins and the wreck and the rebels and the empty shells of churches that were once on fire filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. Once in fire and filled with the Holy Ghost. Filled with mosques, worshipping, demon gods. What happened to the Wesley's church? What happened the great man that raised up and planted churches and their thousands? What happened? No one could stop them. Rode on horseback for hundreds of miles with nothing but the power of the Holy Spirit and the gospel of Jesus. What happened? So the lion ruins today turned into nightclubs, carpet warehouses, closed down, turned into apartments. What has happened to the churches? That big church in the Shankle Road, that Nelson Memorial, 1400 people packed in on a Sunday morning, lying on the ratsings. What happened? What could stop the church triumphant? What could stop a church filled with the power of the Holy Ghost walking in the spirit, led by the spirit? Nothing could stop her. So the devil must find a way. He must find a way. He must infiltrate. He must somehow. Paul begins to warn him. And he says, before I leave here within a short space of time, there's going to be wolves coming into this place and they're not going to spur the flock. I've warned you for three years with tears. That's what he said. But they're coming. We only see a short generation later. And Paul, John the Apostle, saying right in those words that Christ has given him, the first church that he raised, up is Ephesus, where Paul implanted the church, where mighty miracles were done by the hand of Paul. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. Within a short space of time, they left their first love. They're gone. And he's warning them, I'll take this candlestick. I'll take my presence from you. And once his presence goes, I'm going to tell you the hordes of evil and darkness will sweep in. Now we see it in the early church. As deception began to come. We see it as the mixture between the church and the state. Friends, I want to tell you something. There's more happening In this present pandemic. Than what you see with your natural eye. As the church got cozied up. With the state. What was birthed out of that. You listen to me. If you check your church history. You know this. What happened in that. does that mixture grew. Between that Roman Empire. And that Christian church. And they began to mix. Of what was born was one of the most wicked systems that this world has ever seen and it's still alive and well today and it's called the Roman Catholic Church. That might be unpopular and I qualify that always, especially in our context. That's nothing to do with Britishness or anything else. This is a system That was birthed when the church got too close to the empire. And then they mixed the two of it and it lost its right and its authority. And what was born was the Roman Catholic Church. It took a thousand years, listen. A thousand years odd later, it took a thousand years, listen to this friends, that a monk by the name of Luther, the church needed a reformation to get it out of its mess. A thousand years later, there's a monk in the midst of the all. that suddenly there's a revelation comes. I don't need to crawl over rocks. I don't need to pay penance. I don't need to pay in. I don't need to worship Mary. I'm saved by faith alone. A reformation bursts forth. 500 years later, friends. Here's the sad reality. The charismatic movement and many within the so-called evangelical church are all sweeping back into the system. You don't believe that? You don't see it? I want to tell you something in their hordes. It's not by sword. It's not by persuasion. It's by deception. Deception. Now, like the children of Israel, fast amounts are being washed away and washed back. One of the greatest influences has been the modern Christian music scene. They all line up to sing for the Pope. Check it out, friends. The influence, the greatest influence on the church of today, sadly, is not the Holy Ghost, but it's the modern Christian music scene. I know it's his own popular I know it might be a wee bit like a voice. I'm not trying to be. I don't really want to be. But I want to tell you something. It is the truth. Paul says that we're not wrestling with flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness in this world, against spiritual wickedness in high place. Take yourself the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand in the evil day. And having done everything, you're going to stand. Why? You know, this question came to me a couple of mornings ago as you're just waiting on the Lord. And listen, this is the question we came. Where's the conflict in the church? I'm not talking about conflict with each other. I'm talking about where is the church in conflict? Where's the fight in the church? Where's the church that rises up in the darkest of hour with nothing but the cross and the Holy Ghost? That says we're going to stand against the powers of darkness and hell. And we believe in the power of his word. And the gospel hasn't changed. Where is the, where is the contending for the faith? Why is there no conviction? to Stand up for Jesus! Just the odd nutter. That's what they'd say. But where is the conviction? to say, my God. Where is the contending for the faith? Once delivered to the saints. The book before the end. The book of Jude. I I thought I was going to read to you about, write to you about the common salvation, but the Holy Ghost came in my heart and I knew I had to write to you that you must contend earnestly for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. Where is the contending for the faith? And I began to think I'm talking in a general sense of God. What's happened? And the reason why we can't contend with the faith. And the reason why we don't see the contending for the faith against because we don't know who our enemy is anymore. I just heard the words of my own spirit. Not an audible voice but pressed upon me. The reason why there's no contending for the faith is because we're in agreement with the trinity of evil. The world the flesh and the devil. You wouldn't fight with something that you're in agreement with. The world, of course, when the church becomes worldly, and I heard these messages, we heard them when we were growing up often. My dad would preach them. Every preacher nearly that I heard would preach them. This was just, this is what you'd hear, Marguerite, nearly every Sunday you hear about the world, the flesh and the devil. I mean, they would preach it into you. And thank God they did. But I believe what they preached. They may not believe it anymore, but I do. When the church becomes worldly, do you know what happens? It loses its purity. We sung about a holy God. Did you experience His presence? Did you get lost? All you wanted to do was lift your hands and know that He's a holy God. But you see, when the church loses its purity, its purity by coming, it becomes worldly and it loses its purity, its holiness. And without holiness, no man can see God. Love not the world. The world was an enemy. I was taught that. We were taught that. The world was our enemy. The world wasn't. If you see saved out of the world, glory. You were delivered out of the thing. You were delivered out of nightclubs. You were delivered out of the drink and the smoking and everything. Thank God you were saved. That's what we were preached to. That's what the gospel was. And it wasn't just rules, but it was a life. Amen. But when the church becomes worldly. Friends, I never thought we'd see the day that we're living in. The worldliness that's not accepted so clearly in the church. No problem. Nope, I mean whole denominations. George Jeffreys would turn in his grave. turning his grave. Those meetings, the miracles, the power of the Holy Ghost, those tent missions up in Liverpool, you used to hear Liz Nan talking about, those goiters and necks shriveling by the power of the Holy Ghost in the midst of the gospel. I tell you, they were turning their grave. But we're some type of odd being. Lost the plot. Not up with modern times. Let me stay in the old fashioned gospel. Love not the world. Love not the world. Love not. That's what the Bible says. But we don't know what the world is anymore. We don't define the world because we're in agreement with it. So we've nothing to fight against. You see the deception? If you come into agreement with it then you've nothing to fight against. The world is then just your friend. So bring the world into the church then with no contention with the world. Do you see the deception? Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of the life is not of the Father, but it is of the world. We can't be in agreement with the world when we bring the world in then we've become in agreement with the world. So he's not an enemy anymore. Do you see it all? Jesus said these words, be a good cheer, I've overcome the world. Why would he say I've overcome it? And why are we trying to make friends with it if he had to overcome it? Whatsoever is born of God, saints overcomes the world. This is the victory that overcometh the world is even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. He had purposed us to be overcomers. To overcome the world not to become a friend with the world. But you see when we become worldly when we take its standards when we take its music when we take everything about it I know this can become a legalistic thing I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about that we're free from that world. But when that worldliness sweeps in, it just sweeps over. It's just, it's like in a space of a short time. Everything of what we used to know was the world is now practiced weekly in the church of Jesus Christ. Forms of worship, forms of this, that. Friends, I want to tell you something. I'm sorry if this doesn't rub the right way with people, but listen. That's the world. It's worldliness. That's what it is. I'm not talking about being legalistic. Let me tell you, and I've delivered out of that stuff. Four nights a week, I'd have sat in the Windsor nightclub in Bangor, and I'd experienced the night. Why would I want to go back into that mess? I'm set free! That's worldliness! That's what it is. Flee the very appearance of evil! Why would church want to be in darkness? Like it seems so absurd. But they've accepted this. And now you're the oddball. The world is an enemy. The flesh is an enemy. And we're to crucify the flesh. We're to be filled with the power of the Spirit. We're to walk in the Spirit. We're to be led by the Spirit. And we will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. When the church functions in the flesh, She becomes spiritually bankrupt and powerless. What a day we're in. It is the spirit that quickens. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words he said that I speak to unto you, their spirit on their life. For they that are after the flesh, all they're thinking about is the things of the flesh. The mind of the church is all about the flesh. It's all about the natural. It's all about everything that's happening here. We're spiritual people. What happens? We lose the power. We have lost our holiness, our purity. We have lost the power of God. Jesus said, I give you power over all the power of the devil. The devil has to work his way in some way. And he's done a good job. In a different context, but the principle's the same. Paul said to the Galatians, Who has bewitched you? Who's tricked you? Who's deceitfully come and so in a lie into your spirit? That you should not obey the truth of God before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth and crucified. This only would I learn. Receive you the spirit by the works of the law, by the hearing of faith. Are you so foolish? Having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? That what started out in the day of Pentecost was in the power of the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of God. Are we so foolish, so smart, so intelligent in the 21st century? We can finish the course in the arm of flesh. Really? The power of the Spirit of God. That's our enemy. The world, the flesh, and of course... We don't even like talking about or mentioning the devil anymore. People get offended. Why are you get offended about telling you that the devil's your enemy and he goes around like a roaring lion seeking whom he made it We don't even mention the devil. Why? Because we're in agreement with him. The devil would suddenly infiltrate the church triumphant and turn that church that was so soaked and filled with the power of the Holy Ghost And how would he do it? Revelation 12 and 9. The great dragon was cast out. The old serpent called. The Bible says the devil, Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. Anybody like to be deceived? Is there anyone here I like getting deceived? I want to tell you something, friends. There's people sitting in this room this morning and the devil has deceived you. That might be a sobering thing, but I want to tell you, he has. You're sitting here this morning, you don't know Christ, you think you have time, you can play around with church, you're not saved. I want to tell you something, you're being deceived. And I've never liked to be deceived, but you shouldn't like to be deceived either. What will my friends think? What will my parents say? What will it be like in school? What will it be like in work? What will my wife say? What will my husband say? Listen, you're being deceived. He's a deceiver. He's a devil. He's a real devil. The devil's greatest weapon against the church is not persecution. Persecution serves as an awesome weapon. I'm not praying that God would persecute us, but I don't think it's too far away that we will face physical persecution. But that only enhances the church that they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. China brought in strict rules in 1966 against church. They destroyed the churches. They imprisoned their leaders. They killed them. They tortured them. But friends, let me tell you, in 2021, there's 200 million born-again believers washed in the blood. Spirit-filled! It's not going to be persecution. The reason we're seeing what we're seeing, the worldliness in the flesh, and how it's all come, and where we are today. Listen, this is how it's happened and this is not what I think, I honestly believe God put this on my heart and show me it, and I just present it to you as he put it to me, is because deception has infiltrated the pulpits all across this nation. The fruit of it is what we're seeing, but deception came through the pulpits. Jude is talking about a contending for the faith. And then he goes into verse 4 and this is what he says. This is how you see it. Jude in verse 4. For there are certain men, this is the book before the end, crept in unawares, who before of old ordained to this condemnation ungodly men. This is what they'll do. This is how it comes, friends. Turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness, Denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. They'll take one of the most precious truths and doctrines that we love. The grace of God. Anybody in here that's thankful for God's grace? God's amazing grace. We talked about it a few weeks ago. God's amazing grace. It is amazing, isn't it? But what they'll do is they'll take something so precious. They'll not throw it out, but they'll turn it. You listen to me, friend. Brothers and sisters, listen very carefully. God quickened this and showed this to my heart. And I tell you, I just fell down with my God. The word business is basically unbridled lust. They'll take the grace of God, something that the church tre- treasures so greatly and appreciates so much. God's amazing grace. But they'll take that and they'll turn it. And what they'll preach is the grace of God. And everyone will go, well, we love the grace of God. Remembrance deception. He's not going to come dressed as a devil, dressed as a demon. He's going to come and he's going to begin to preach something that actually isn't scriptural. But he'll twist it. He'll sew something into that. A little leaven. What does it do? It leavens the whole lump. And so the grace of God will be changed, turned to accommodate, to accommodate living like the world, behaving like the world, listening to the world's stuff, watching the world's stuff, acting like the world. And then they'll say, the grace of God. And if anyone says anything about it, you're the most ungracious person in the world. But then they become even more ungracious than what you could ever imagine. They're going to turn the doctrines and make them something that the Bible doesn't teach they are. They'll hold their conferences Listen carefully, friends. This is close, but I want to tell you it's the truth. They'll hold all their, they'll write all their books. They'll have all their great days out. But they've turned the grace of God into lasciviousness. And it's not the grace of God at all. Has this happened? This has it swept the church of Jesus Christ? What happened that the world was our enemy? What happened that the flesh was our, what happened that the devil was our enemy? We'll come into agreement with them. In order to live that lifestyle now, it's called the grace of God. It's a distortion. Worse than that, it's a deception. And What happens in the back of that is the fruit of it you're seeing today. You see, when you look at it, and I go sometimes, you know that YouTube thing brings up the, I don't know why it brings up, but all of a sudden something comes up there and I'm like, oh, it looks like a rock concert. It's not, it's a Christian concert. Listen, that's not the issue. The issue has been that the pulpits have been infiltrated with deception. That's the fruit of the deception. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's actually the fruit of it. That's not the problem. The problem is, see up here, there's a man one day along the road decided that it was a better thing to go out with the old, with the preaching, Stevie, of the gospel, of the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, of the power of the Holy Spirit, that the world is our enemy. That we are the church of Jesus Christ. And the Holy Ghost was enough. But we'll change that. Why? Because we want numbers. I want to tell you friends. Let me tell you. Let me tell you friends. I'm not interested in numbers. I am interested in souls. But I am not interested in numbers. And so they turn it. Where is the fight? There is none. There is no fight now. We're not fighting the world because we're in the great. The world's come in. We're not fighting the flesh. It's okay. You can live whatever way you want. You can live in the strength and the power of your flesh. You can act. You can act like a devil in the church. You can treat people like dirt. You can walk over the top of them. You can have all your attitude. It doesn't matter. Grace. Grace. Right. That's a distortion of the grace of God. That's a shame. On the grace of God. You know what that is? It's deception. And so by this deception that's swept into the pulpits, now we're seeing the fruit of it. Now we're seeing the fruit of it. We're seeing discos for worship services. Discos. Discos, friends, discos. Listen to me, it's a disco. It's a disco, that's what it is. I ah, know but do you not? No, I don't. I don't buy it. I'm not in on it. I'm not part of it. I'll never be part of it. I'm a saved out of it. I know, but no buts. Sorry, friends, if it seems hard or if it seems a little tying a high line. But listen, I want to finish this and finish well, and I want all you to as well. It's the deception that comes. Where's the fight? David arrived in the valley of Elah. There was no fight. He just arrived. There's no fight. Where's all the mighty men of Israel? I'm going, I'm scratching. Where's all the mighty men of Israel? Where's all the great men of faith? Where's all the men that tell us all how to live by faith? I'm scratching. I'm saying, God, is there not a cause? Is there not something worth fighting and giving your life for? Is there not a cause? Could you ever imagine a day when the work of God would be accomplished without the power of the Holy Ghost? Listen, just look out. Bigger kingdoms, bigger buildings. The day, listen, I have an answer. The day that this work ever becomes sold out on its flesh and trying to create an atmosphere, please, Brown, get the manna to you and run it through the whole lot. Pull the thing down. Paul arrives up in Ephesus. That temple of Diana. Wickedness, immorality, philosophers, demon possessed, everything going on. Paul arrives with nothing. Priscilla and Aquila were with him. And they're just a few people full of the Holy Ghost and got the gospel. Why is that not enough? I thank God for all the things that we have and the upper and the facility that God has given us. I, I'm more thankful than anybody. I tell your friends, I could never have dreamed, we could never have imagined or dreamed the day that we'd be sitting in a building like this. And even what the Lord is about to do, never have dreamed or imagined, but we never came for those things. And there's this demon possessed city. And Paul begins to preach the gospel. The Bible says that God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. I pray God do it again. So that from his body were brought onto the, onto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons and diseases departed from them and evil spirits went out from them. That's the gospel. That's not Paul. That's the Holy Ghost. That's the Holy Ghost. Now there's a few then thought we'll do the same. We're just going to be like Paul. Remember those boys? Religious boys. Well we're just going to do it just like Paul did it. Right? Not that evil spirit turns around and speaks to them. Friends this is what you're hearing in the devil's kingdom today. I know Jesus and I know Paul. Here are you. The devil's laughing at religion. He's laughing at the smoke machines. He's laughing at the and lights. He's laughing at all that goes on. You can stick and have your slim fast. You can do whatever you want. You can have your gym. You can have your exercise night. You can have your bowls on a Tuesday night. You can have your orange order meet. You can have whatever you want. But don't get filled with the Holy Ghost. Who are you? You see, what's happened really, and so much of it today, friends, it's just worldliness. That's all it is, Brett. It's worldliness. It's nothing else. It's just the world. You know, I heard someone come on and they introduced a song. I don't remember the song because it didn't get that far once I heard this bit. This, this was the top, this was number something in the charts. Charts. In the double, double Awards. The charts. Christian charts. Double Awards. A new hit. Are you joking me? Are we come so far that we don't even go, something's wrong? That's the world! Top of the pops. Sunday night at seven! He's number one! Oh, but it's up there. Really? Sorry, friends. Paul and Jesus, the apostles and the early church would have nothing to do with it. Nothing. But the world has crept in. You see, it's no difference. Listen to me. Listen to me. It's no different from the world. Listen carefully, because see what you get into that. What you get into is you'll listen to the pop stars of today. In my day, it was, I think he's still running about, but Elton John or somebody like that, some, you know what I'm saying? I think he's still, but listen, see today, see all of that, see when you get into that, you'll be listening to your Lady Gagas, you'll be listening to your, I don't know how to pronounce this, uh, Ariana Grande or whatever, Drake, Billy English, Beyonce, and I know what some of you are thinking. How do you know all their names? I had to Google it. What's the top 10? Because I don't know who they are. I might have heard a few of their names. But see, once you're listening, friends, I want to tell you, that's the devil's music. Listen, I was taught that when I was growing up. That's the devil's music. But Christians are listening to it all day today. And then they stick on a bit of worship at nighttime. Or just before we get to church, let's put Christian music on. Really? Then we wonder why the power of God's not moving, and we're listening to that junk, that demon-possessed stuff. But listen, friends, the Christian music seems just the same. You can't say that. I'm gonna tell you something. I got an article, and I believe it's true. I believe it to be true. But see at the core, right into the very core of that Hill songs, it's as dark as the world that I was saved out of. It's as wicked and as dark. But you can get your hit. You can get your number one. You can get your double award. The core of this and these huge multi-million dollar movements and businesses, that's what they are. Churches and everything else. And the core of it, it is as dark and as wicked as the world. You check it out. Check it out, friends. Don't be deceived. The world, the flesh, and the devil is still the enemy of the church. You check that stuff out. You know, when I was a young believer, when I was about 17, got saved, when I was 20, but when I was I was out in the world, I was well gone into the world, I rebelled, went my own way, Mom and all's here today, so they know. And Teresa and I went and done my own thing. Went deep into that world. I tell you friends deep into that world of sin. Deep down into a world that took me into places I wouldn't even want to talk about. But that's where it took me. And because of a praying mother, a praying father, a praying family, and His mercy, God saved me. Saved me. I mean, it was a bit strange. Brady Waters, who's gone home to be with the Lord. I got saved in London, as you know. She said he was a breech birth. There was a few complications. We had to work a few things out with him. That's true. I had to learn. I had to learn about what it is to be a Christian and set apart. Do you know what my... I'm just going to be honest. I, when I was 17, I got a wee job. It was a good job. My thing was music, I'll be honest, with you. I, I love music, I, but I, I got this stereo, it's a Kenwood, I still have it out, and the, and the, the boys think, where'd this come from, you know, it's like this size. And I bought this Kenwood stereo way back then, sounds like I've been from, I don't know where I'm from, but I'm way, way back, and all these parts, it was so professional, the guy had to come out and set it up specially for you. And I can remember in this wee bedroom, shared with my brother, And I got this Cambridge stereo and I tell you, when you turned it up, the the roof was lifting off, nearly all the ties and the whole row was up. And I'd listen, I mean, I loved music. I had every type of music, every type of, I'd go, I mean, people may not have heard of these groups. They're demon possessed groups, but I had listened to something like Erasia, and then the next minute I'd be listening to Dolly Parton. It was weird, but I love music. And I could sit all night. I'm a saved man now. And I could sit all night. And I'd been listening to this music, headphones on, <laughs> giving it the message. And I tell you, friends, I got colder and colder and drier. And I was wondering what's going on. It's all working for everybody else. You know, the, the old lies that come in and say, it works for everyone else, but it doesn't work for me. It works for everybody. But it's just the same way. It's the same cross, the same narrow path, the same straight gate. And we just all go the same way. It all works. But I tell you, I got drier, emptier, more cold, backslidden, up, down, in, out, didn't know where I was. But every night, home from work, Dolly Parton, the IV, ORCA, everything else, all going all day. My head's full with this stuff. Then, thank God, a brother came. I'm thankful that a brother came to me. I'm thankful that some, an older brother came and said, Can I ask you a question? What are you filling your mind with? So I told him. And as jaw near hit the floor. He says, Can I pray with you? I want to tell you what you need to do. Now I was in, no member used to get, I don't know where it's about anymore. Remember the music clubs, the magazine once a month? You get the Brent knows all about it. <laughs> you got the you got the number one C D of the month. Not right, Brent. And then that was you, but then you'd order more. I was sitting, true or not, in my bedroom, racks of CDs. And he says, son, what's wrong? He says, You need a shot of that. That's the world. That's messing your mind up. That's destroying your spirit. What a man eats, that's what he is. If you feed yourself in that all day, that's what you become. That's the way you'll be. Well, i tell you something what I did. Eddie Tees was there at the time. I says, Eddie, I need a, need a favor. Can I borrow your yard? He says, no problem. I said, just want to a wee bonfire. No problem. And I went down, boxes and boxes and boxes of CDs, put them on a fire, burnt them all. And I'm going to tell you I was free. Ash free. I mean, it's like, praise the Lord. I didn't care about the money. Maybe four grand's worth. Of, who cares if you're free? And so we want to live the Christian life, but we want to keep on bringing in the world. Keep the sewer pit open. Let it keep on No, that has an effect. There was a dad book years ago. I didn't read it. i just seen the title. And it said, as you know, I didn't read it. It just said, you are what you eat. And we wonder where's the power of God? Where is the Holy Ghost moving in power? Where is the Church triumphant? Friends, it's simple. We are what we eat. If we read the Word. We are in prayer. We are in fellowship. We are feasting on the things of God. We're w- listen, friends. them will walk in the Spirit. We'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We'll be led of the Spirit. We'll be filled with the Holy Ghost. I know Paul. I know Jesus. And I can hear him. I can hear him. And he's saying, Who are you? I want to tell you something who we are. And I'm not talking about just here, I'm talking about this church across this land. I want to tell you something this morning. This is prophetic. This church is about to stand up, and the devil's going to know exactly who we are. We're so filled now of religious rites but dead, dry, and barren. We have our doctrine, do a T. We have exactly what it says on the tin, on the tin, but the tin's never opened. It never spills out. We have it all sorted. For too long, these words have been spoken against the church. Who are you? What happened? Deception. The most effective weapon the enemy has against the church it's not COVID, it's deception. False teaching, vain traditions, dilute the church. And to close with, to close with friends, There's death in the pot. There's death in the pot. Today most feel I can just listen to the word and carry on any way I want to. I don't have to apply it. I don't have to heed it. You can preach whatever you want, preacher, but I do not have to heed what's preached. Can I tell you that we'll be accountable for every word that's been preached under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. You might discern and say, well, it's not the Holy Ghost. That's fine. I'm willing to stand up and wait before the throne of grace and say, Lord, you're going to hold me accountable to what I preach. But listen, friend, this morning, you'll be accountable for every word that you've heard. 2 Kings chapter 4, unless you came to Gilgal. And there was a dearth in the land. The sons of the prophets were sitting before him. And he said unto his servant, Set on the great pot and seeds pottage for the sons of the prophets. And one went out into the field to gather herbs and found a wild vine. And gathered thereof wild gourds his lap full, and came and shred them into the pot of pottage, for they knew them not. Verse 40. They brought something in. You note this. They brought something in that they did not know. What it was. How dangerous that is. The discernment, the discernment in the church today is non-existent. We don't discern the spirit or what is coming in. But they brought them in because they're hungry. Because they're hungry. Verse 40. So they poured out for the man, for the men to eat, that it came to pass as they were eating of the pottage that they cried out and said, O man of God, there is death in the pot and they could not eat thereof. But he said, then bring meal, cast it into the pot, and he said, pour out for the people that they may eat. And there was no harm in the pot. Friends, the death has been in the pot for a long time. It's been brought in. It hasn't been discerned. It is not known. It is not of God, but it's been brought in, and it's been put into the pot And now we can truly say there's death in the pot. But listen, as I close this morning, thank God there's an answer. Thank God there's a remedy. There's there's an answer to what has caused the deception, the wrath, the death, the bankruptcy. What has it? What is it? What is the answer? The man of God said, give me the meal. Do you know what that speaks of? What sets the people free? Jesus says the truth will make you free. What's the answer to deception this morning? know what the answer is? The answer is the truth of God's Word. The truth makes us free, Richard. It's the truth that sets us free. It's the truth that comes. The truth of God's Word. And when we embrace it and say, God, we want to walk in your truth. We want to walk in your power. We want to walk. God says, I'll take you at your Word. And we can take Him at His Word. For His Word never fails. The answer or the cure, the cured, is simply the truth. The truth of God's Word. Friends, I believe this morning with everything within me, no longer should we be timid. No longer should we be holding back. No longer should we just be sitting unsure or sitting on the fence or not wondering which way to go or tipping or or tapping. Friends, I believe the answer to this are as a people that are convinced Convicted, convinced, and sure that the only hope is the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the truth. Listen, I know I'm preaching to the converted and that we know this and we believe it to be true. But listen, the only hope for this nation is people like Peter, full of the Holy Ghost. Full of the power of God. The answer to the death in the pot is the truth. It's the truth. Friends, this morning, if you and I, I believe it's the same for all of us. We want, we want everything that what God has purchased for us in Calvary. We want to live in it and walk in it for these days. I'll tell you, friends, that's the power of the Holy Ghost. May God set our hearts free. May God forgive us for what we've allowed. May God cleanse our homes, cleanse our minds, cleanse our hands, cleanse our hearts. May God set his people free to worship him and to praise him and to live for him. Why would the world want to come into a mess when they're already in a mess? But they do want to come into a place. We experienced his presence this morning. I tell you, there's nothing like the presence of Jesus. You know where he comes? He comes when there's truth. Oh no, we just need love, grace, and mercy. No, he is that. But his truth, his words above his name it must be truth. There must be truth. It's the truth that makes us free. You want to be free this morning? It's the truth that makes us free. Jesus makes us free. We need the power of the Holy Ghost for Him. We need the power of the Holy Ghost. Thank God He's more willing to give even though we are to receive. Let us hold on to Him. Let us believe Him this morning. Let's stand together. Thank you, Lord.